The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call, we've got a little bit of something for everyone. The Oscar nominations are out. Find out who was nominated and who was snubbed. Plus, do you want to get naked? Well, reality star Angelique Frenchie Morgan does, and she's written a new song all about it. Get a first listen coming up today on Crawl Call. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. Thank you so much for taking time out to be with us today. It's Friday, January 16th, 2015. This is our 14th show or number 264, depending upon how you do the count. I like the 264. That makes me sound like I've been here for a long period of time, and I guess I have. We are Going on five years strong here on the Voice America Talk radio network. A lot of fun. We have this new format on Crawl Call. I've been enjoying it from what I see on Twitter at Crawl Call Show and my personal account at Dan J. Crawl. A lot of you are enjoying this as well because we get to talk about anything on any given week. It could be any particular topic from something fluffy like movies and television shows to something more hard-hitting like politics or current events. And today we sort of have a show that is all-encompassing. It's a little bit of everything. We are talking up first about the Academy Award nominations. And like you, uh, at least I'm hoping that you and I share a little bit in common on this, most of the movies that I see and I go to the theater and, you know, shell out, what is it, 12 bucks or so to see a movie and to get milk duds and a soda. Most of the movies that I go to see will never be nominated for an Academy Award, at least not for Best Picture. They'll probably be nominated for one of those Razzies that talk about the worst in the world of films, but that's a totally different issue. When I see the list, I always go through and think, which of these movies would I like to see? Which ones do I think I really need to check out and make sure that I'm, I'm aware of and up on? Well, I don't know if you have seen any of the films that are on the eight that were nominated for Best Picture this year, but we'll be talking in a little bit with Angela Durrell, who will be talking about some of the snubs this year and some of the reasons that the films that you like or the actors and actresses that you like may not have been nominated for an Academy Award this year. It's all in advance of our big Academy Awards special on February 20th, right here on Crawl Call. We'll be breaking down the nominees, we'll be making predictions, we'll be listening to some of the Oscar-nominated songs that are up for awards this year. It'll be a lot of fun. Again, that's February 20th, right here on Crawl Call. We'll also be doing something for the Grammys coming up at the beginning of February. Don't forget we have the Super Bowl show. More on that later. And of course, you can find out about that on CrawlCall.com, so you'll always know what shows are coming up and what broadcasts we have, what guests. A lot of fun. And then, later in the show, 
we're going to be talking to Angelique Frenchy Morgan, who is a reality TV star. She also has a new single out. It's called I Want to Get Naked. It's very catchy. It's surprisingly catchy. Let me just put that out there. It's one that I catch myself humming while I'm in the shower or brushing my teeth, and I never thought that I would have. But she also has a very interesting take. You know, Paris has been in the news, unfortunately, for the recent terrorist attack at Charlie Hebdo, and she has an interesting take. Having been born and raised in Paris, she's now living in the United States, she has an interesting take on Paris and her thoughts on how Paris will rebound after the terrorist attack. Uh, It's a great discussion, and we'll be talking to her, as I said, coming up later in the show. We do have to take a quick break, as we always do here at the top of the show. We're going to be back with some of our Academy Award nominations discussion. Stay tuned, because Kroll Call will be right back. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hey, everybody, welcome back to Kroll Call. And, you know, just a note as we're getting ready for the show here, for anybody out there who is listening and the event should ever arise that you need music to play to introduce me, I love that song. It's the finale from Dragonheart soundtrack by Randy Edelman. I really like it. It's very powerful. You know, they use it at the Academy Awards all the time. And I like that. So make a note out there if you're ever going <laughs> to... The world freezes over and somehow I get nominated for something. That's the song that I once played when they introduced me. But that aside, let's get on. The Oscar nominations were announced on Thursday. And as is usually the case, it's impossible to please everyone. But I think that this year's nominations seem to have rubbed almost everyone the wrong way from at least what I'm seeing on social media, except for maybe those who were nominated. They're not necessarily bitter. But I wanted to break down why some folks are so upset, so I've invited Angela Durrell, a writer, former PR person, an occasional casting director, and according to her Twitter profile, an aspiring fire dancer, don't worry, I'll ask about that, to come on, talk a little bit about the Oscar nominations, try to give some uh, scope of why people seem to be upset. So, Angela, people are upset, but that's usually the case. Do you think that they're more upset this year than in years past? 
no, well, I think it's it's really impossible to measure if it's they're more upset than the years past. I think every year, everybody's there are people who are going to be upset. There, you can't, like you said, you can't please everyone, and there are always there are always people who go, well, so and so was robbed, or this is a travesty, or this is you know what you know certain expletives that they use. But I think what happened what happened this year? I think what this year is indicative of is a lot of the social unease that we've been seeing like, you know, in Ferguson or in Australia or, you know, any, any kind of, of political, socioeconomic, social, or religious unrest. And that, you know, that speaks to, you know, people are talking about minorities being persecuted or, you know, black people being persecuted or Muslims being persecuted. It goes back to that kind of social conscience um, issue that, that people are looking at. So when we're looking at the Oscar nominations, and we're also looking at, by the way, you know, the American government and, and this war against women thing. So there now you are, have this micro... From what I, yeah, I've well, seen, there are the only, for most places where women were nominated were in the actress categories, which yes, is not a good thing. and when you look at that, it's not a good thing because there are some obviously wonderful female directors, writers, production designers, uh, executive producers who are, you know, it's not like it's heavy lifting in terms of, you know, we don't have the back to do it. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're thinking human beings. And so when you have all that kind of amalgam of social unease, if I can call it that, then you have this microcosm of the Oscars where it's a lot of men who are nominated, okay? Male-dominated, mostly white. And what we're seeing is, I mean, there's been a constant kind of through line with the Oscar nominations with women directors, when Catherine, Catherine Bigelow won for Hurt Locker, it was huge. And not because the movie was, you know, just this incredible experience or whatever. It was. It was a great story. But it wasn't because of the movie that it was huge. It was huge because she won. It ran a female director won. Do you see what I'm saying? And this is after, you know, Streisand and Jodie Foster and Debbie Allen and, and now Ava DuVernay is, they're forging that, that, that glass ceiling, or trying to break that glass ceiling, still trying to break the glass ceiling, and and it shouldn't be that big a deal that Catherine Bigelow. Wants. Do you think you see what I'm saying? that in that situation where you have someone like Catherine Bigelow and she wins, do you think that there are then voters? And this is horrible to even put out there to say, but I mean, when mm -hmm. we're talking about the the reality of the situation, it could be true. Do you think that there are people who will say, "Oh, well, look, we've had a woman win." It's not a pressure. We don't have to worry about doing that again. Yes, I do. Really? I think that does happen. And I don't think it's, here's the thing, I don't think it's necessarily a conscious thing that they're thinking. You know what I mean? I don't think, uh, how do I express it? They, I don't think they're, they're purposely thinking that and going, okay, we already nominated a woman in last year's Oscars, so we can't do it this year. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I think it's almost, in a way, of, of an inbred chauvinism. In, in a way. It's just the, the, the culture and the consciousness of the Academy to some degree. It, you know, let's face it, the Academy was built on an old boys network. That's what it, that's how it started. It's, Hollywood is old boys network. And but do you think very, that that will change now that, I mean, as with anything, as we go on in time? Changing. Okay. It's already changing because the fact that we're outraged by it and we're, 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 people are in an uproar about it. And each year, you know, there are more female directors who are, people are looking and saying, she's a viable, she's a viable candidate. She's a viable director. And it does not matter that she's female. 
even though she may not get that nomination, people there are more than more female directors who are doing that. And one day, I'd like to see it where we don't put that prefix in front of it. We don't put female in front of director. It's just directors. Let me break down some of the big nominations. We had Birdman and the Grand Budapest mm-hmm. Hotel. They led the Oscar right. nominations with nine apiece. Then right. you have Imitation Game. It had eight nominations. American Sniper had six. Boyhood, a movie that took 12 years to make, which is actually kind of cool, had six that nominations. That alone is a cinematic feat. I mean, that's amazing. And then you have Meryl Streep with her 19th nomination. 19. Yeah. I've been nominated yeah. for nothing ever in any kind of life uh, that wasn't <laughs> yeah. brought on by myself. I can't even imagine being nominated for 19 right. Academy Awards. Well, here's the, here's the question I have with Meryl I love Meryl Streep, and I, I completely agree with anybody who says she's a brilliant actress. She is. She's a very intuitive, gifted human being, never mind actress. She just she gets it. She intuitively gets it. She's, she's just a joy to watch. However... She's been nominated 19 times. It's not like we don't know that she's a great actress. We know that. We know that she's been nominated that many times. We know that she's won. I don't even know how many times she's won. But um, but it's sort of a reverse Susan Lucci. <laughs> I, I was wondering which one of us would mention that name first. No, yeah. you're, you're right. <laughs> but do you, yeah, if you're Meryl really Streep, do you say, okay, I've been nominated 19 times. I don't think anyone else will ever break this record. Please don't nominate me. Take me out of consideration. I mean... To that it does extent, make you wonder. Well, I mean, but I don't know if I would want to remove my name if I'm really deserving. Yeah. I wouldn't want to well, say. Well, and hey, if you no. really feel, here's the thing: you feel it's. I think it's it's a really hard question to for anybody to really answer or judge, except the person who's nominated. Honestly, because you, as an actor, are you're proud of the work you did, right? You went in there and you you dug in, and maybe it was a really difficult part. Maybe there was some personal stuff going on in your life, and you had to put that aside to do the job. Maybe it's just a great script and a great story, and you're so proud of the product that was put out that you wanted to get that kind of recognition. And it's not, you don't view it as just you getting a nomination or an award, but if you win that award or you get that nomination, it increases the visibility of your project, right? That's true. So, so, and from that standpoint, no, you don't want to withdraw yourself because it puts a spotlight on your movie, and that means people might go see your movie, and the movie might make more money. Well, let's talk about the movies that were nominated for Best Picture. We'll make some early predictions. We have American Sniper, (laughs) Birdman, Boyhood, Mm -hmm. The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash, with... Of right. course, with Birdman and the Grand Budapest Hotel getting the most nominations. Nine nominations, yeah. One might think. You would think, think they were front runners. Well, but are they? But are they? I don't know. Well, in the Academy, the Academy's just so weird. Sometimes <laughs> they'll nominate. They'll, they'll nominate these films, and then they'll completely pull a 180 on you at the actual voting. That's true. Which, is, which always kind of cracks me up. Because people used to say that the Golden Globes were the precursor and a predictor for the Oscars. No, that's crap. It isn't, because, because the Oscars are a whole different animal. It's not even the same people a lot of the time they were voting. So, um, and, and also, people, people who the Oscars might get to stick up their crow and say, we are not the Golden Globes, we don't, but we don't follow the Globes. And I, and I guarantee you, there have been people who have said that. So, uh, just by that token, you might get nine nominations. I've seen there have been films who have gotten multiple nominations and walked away with nothing. So, with that being said, of those, what, eight nominees, 
who do you think yeah. they well, will choose? Um, well, boy, that's a crapshoot. Um, if I had my brothers, <laughs> Selma would win, just out of spite. <laughs> because it, well, hey, it's a great story. It's a well-constructed story. It's a great script, and it, it was well done. The acting was superb. The directing was superb. And I am not an Oprah Winfrey fan at all. So I can look at it, and I'm looking at them. I, I saw that movie. It was, it was great. It was an amazing movie. But on the other hand, you have these, these other just incredible movies. Boyhood is just a feat of, of story and filmmaking and cinema, cinema. It's just to have that kind of dedication to that story that you film it over 12 years because you're not going to rush it. You're going to actually follow through on this, this real-life timeline instead of just casting somebody and shooting it in three months. You know what I'm saying? No, I so think that's, that's that's my pick would be Boyhood. I think that the the dedication so to do too. something for 12 years, I think that puts it ahead. And you also have to look at some of the other films that were nominated are comedies. And it's very yeah. rare that comedies end for up winning the top honor. So, But Budapest, Budapest is a different animal in terms of comedy. I think it's what most people might describe as high, a little more highbrow. It's not, it's not the hangover. Well, I mean, not, not that I'm dissing. Not that I'm dissing Hangover. I worked on <laughs> Hangover Three, so you know I'm not dissing Hangover. I'm not. No, it's fine. It's Bradley Cooper. You can't diss Bradley Cooper. <laughs> well, you can, but oh. no, no, nobody wants to. But um, but Budapest Hotel is it's a different. It's kind of almost a. I don't know. I kind of look at it as almost Monty Monty Python ish in a way. It's very. It's a clever kind of tongue in cheek side eye humor but you you can't not pay attention to it do you know what i mean you have to you kind of have to use your brain to watch that movie and laugh at it well so it's not that makes me want to go to what i mentioned in the introduction aspiring fire dancer you are <laughs> i've now become yoda yeah. aspiring dancer you are uh, you are really <laughs> you out comes the grover voice uh okay fire dancers it's it's an it's an irish thing it's um in uh the samhain and beltine festivals, usually Beltine, um, which is the festival of uh, harvest. Is we there's a you, everybody paints their faces. You know, you go on these these fire. You know, the bonfires. They have big bonfires in Ireland, and they dress up and they paint. They paint their faces, not the not that uh, cobalt blue, but it's like red and yellow. And they paint their hair and they and they dance. They fire dance. They have like tongs and and um, batons and whatever, and they light them on fire and they dance. Hmm. It's a it's a Celtic. Um, kind of ceremonial celebration of the harvest. You know, saying, yay, you know, we're finally out of the winter and now we get to eat. I like that. So, you know, yeah. So that's that's what that's all about. So if you own it, you you, you Google fire dancers, um, you will come up with, uh, you know, loads and loads of images from all over Ireland of people fire dancing. And it's a skill. I mean, yeah, it's fire. <laughs> you can't just, you know, grab a stick and start dancing with it. You know, you could burn yourself. So it's an actual uh, kind of discipline and craft that they do learn over there. Well, we are going to talk more about the Academy Awards on our special Kroll Call Oscar celebration on February 20th. But in the meantime, Angela, if you will allow me, we're going to take a commercial break. I'm going to go do some fire dancing to celebrate that I'm going to have a snack during the break and we will come back and talk more about all sorts of other things and reality star Frenchie Morgan will be here. Angela, thanks so much for dropping by. You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. We will be back in just a couple of bits with more Crow Call. Stay tuned. 
Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. EverydaySoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's Friendship Bitches. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's installment of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. We are continuing our discussion this week and moving on to something that is very hard to avoid if you watch television. It seems that at any given time, you can put on any channel and find reality television. Now, the discussion about whether this reality TV is, in fact, reality or something more in the lines of scripted television that they're just not telling us is a totally different topic that we'll have maybe in another episode of Crow Call. But for today, I wanted to talk to one of the stars of numerous reality TV programs, in fact, she is known to TV viewers as Frenchie Morgan, but in case you don't know, her first name is Angelique, and I thought it would be really timely to talk to Frenchie because she was born and raised in Paris, and with the recent terror attacks at Charlie Hebdo in Paris, I thought it would be sort of a contrast to hear a reality TV star talk about something that is, in fact, reality, and then, of course, to move on to some other things, to talk about her insanity on the Celebrity Big Brother 14 in the UK and her new song, and she's working on a book, a self-help book. So I figured, why not bring in Frenchie? So Frenchie, welcome to Kroll Call. Good evening, Dan. It's Frenchie speaking. How are you? I am wonderful, Frenchie. How are you? I'm sorry. Uh, Mattia and I were both blonde. She thought you were in L.A., and... I thought you were going to call me. <laughs> That's okay. I was sitting here wondering. I was about to send her a message and say, hey, what's going on? I know. I just texted. I'm like, I don't understand. They're not calling me because you're in New York, right? I'm in Philly, but uh, in Philadelphia, but it's it's close yeah. enough. Same time. Right, right, right. So it's like three hours between. Like She thought you were in LA. So she's like 6 p.m. And then she's like, oh, no, three. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do three. I have something already. It's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, he's not calling me now. Like, no, you need to call him. I'm like, oh, my God, we are both too blonde. Like, <laughs> well, we are finally, we're together. We're going to make uh, the most of our time. Thank you so much for, yeah, for totally. taking some time out. So Yeah, I, thanks for having me. Sorry about that. No, Sorry that's, that's absolutely okay. I have uh, some background information I want to get from you and things to talk about and before we move on to some of the fun things that you're up to you know for a lot of people they're hearing about Paris in the news right now and it's it's been a lot of sad news but I want to go back being that you were born and raised in Paris can you tell me a little bit you know as an American we look at Paris 
and it's magical and it's romantic and it's wonderful. What was it like for you growing up in Paris? Did you feel that same way that Americans do about Paris? Not at all. <laughs> nope. Really? Okay, so I was, um, actually, I grew up in Paris until I was five, and then I moved half an hour away from Paris, near Versailles, okay. where there is this castle everybody loves. <laughs> but I've been a million times, I've, I've been at that castle in Versailles a million times, so to me it doesn't do anything. <laughs> because the thing is, when, um, when you are born and raised in Paris, I also work in Paris when I was 15, so I live in Paris a lot, right? And also when you go to school, uh, they take you to every single monument. So what's happening is, because I'm from there, to me it's not magic. When I was at school, every year they take us to the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and this and that. And you just get sick of it. Because you do it over and over and over and over again. And is that all you see, really? Uh, because I was in France until I was 17. And then after that, I start, I start traveling and I'm like, oh my God, there's so, so much more in the world because when you're little, you don't live the same, the same that when you're an adult. So uh, to me, no. To me, it's not magic. To me, America is magic. To me, Los Angeles is magic. And New York and Hawaii and, you know, Miami and Malibu and Vegas. All those spots in America that people from all over the world will also go on visit, you know. Uh, to me, America is magic. And I, I'm like, you know, living the American dream. So, I, I think uh, you're to right. Me, Paris is not magic at all. Uh, I don't see why people want to go there. I don't think it's romantic to go there. It's always raining. Like, I think romantic is on a beach in Hawaii or in Australia, somewhere where there is a sun and a wave. That's my way of seeing romantic. Do you know what I'm saying? But everybody's different. And I guess when you're not from there, it's kind of normal. It's kind of magic. No, I understand that. I feel the same way about living here in Philadelphia. You know, the Liberty Bell and Independence <laughs> Hall, and it's wonderful, and it's, it's what America is all about. But I don't want to go and see it. Uh, yeah, I feel you. So I think because I'm from there, to me, I don't see until what you guys feel at all. I actually feel the same way you guys feel about America. That's why I moved here. I've been here for 12 years, you know, and... Sure, Paris is beautiful to visit. It's a lot of history. It's a lot of beautiful monuments. It's very good if you like cultural stuff. But once you did that a million times, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. Like, I like the side of France much better. I wouldn't live there. I think it's better. There is a beach. It's a bit of sun. The people are more welcoming. The food is better, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, uh, I would never move back to France. That's never going to happen. Just uh, touching briefly, how do you think Paris will be changed, or do you think it will be changed in the wake of what happened at uh, Charlie Hebdo? I think it's a similar, uh, very negative, similar feeling that when the 9 on 11 happened in New York. It's very similar. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't really follow politics, but like, it's so negative and it's so bad that that's going to be in a history forever, like the 9 on 11 is in New York. It's a similar story. You know what I mean? So it's bad, it's negative, it's a lot of sadness, and a lot of people died. And, you know, it's really bad. It's very, very negative energy, and it's never going to go away because now it's there, it's been done. Uh, you know, it's never going to be forgettable. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a little bit of it similar as what happened in New York on a, you know, on a 9-11. Mm. 
I understand that. So going from it, it's funny because, you know, you mentioned that the United States and America has the magic that a lot of us think of, of Paris. I'm, I'm curious of all the places to go in our great worldwide of countries. There's Miami, there's Los Angeles, there's New York, there's Chicago. You settled to go to Las Vegas. What was it about Las Vegas that made you say, this is where I'm going to go? No, actually, I live in Malibu and I live in Vegas. I have two places. Okay. So I live in both. Uh, when I first come to America from London, actually, <laughs> I was already in London for two years, so already I was not in France. Um, at first, I live in Miami, in Sad Beach, for four years. And I love the, you know, it's eternal summer, it's a wave, it's a party town, it's fun. And, you know, because I was doing acting and modeling and dancing, there's a lot of money there. Uh, so I live in Miami for four years and I love them. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've been here for four years. Now I want to check New York, maybe. So I'm moving New York for about three months. And I loved it, but I don't like cold. So <laughs> New York was good, but just temporary for me. But it was really good when I went there. It was magic. I live on the Upper East Side. It sounds crazy, but it's a little bit more quiet when you're on the Upper East Side. It's not that crazy because you're not in the town. So it was kind of perfect for me. And after that, I moved in Vegas. I actually went to Vegas in vacation, and I was like, oh, my God, this town is, like, magical. I want to live here forever. So I moved in Vegas, and I actually live in Vegas for five years in a row, full time. And then a lot of good stuff happened with the TV and everything, so I kind of moved in L.A. part-time. So I've been between Vegas and L.A., like, for the past seven years. So I do have a place in L.A. as well. In Malibu, Malibu is my favorite part of LA. It's beautiful, and you know there is a beach and a wave. And if you like in vacation, but you're still in LA, so you can walk. So I think it's magic. I love, love, love Malibu. A lot of people in California are very conscious about what they eat, and I know that you are a vegetarian. I'm curious, how long have you been a vegetarian? For me. I think about it sometimes. I think it would be very difficult for me. So I'm curious for you, you know, was it something e that was easy for you to do? It was very easy for me to do that for the simple reason that when I was 12, uh, I eat meat until I was about 12. And my mom, you know, like I didn't eat that much, maybe once a week, you know, like uh, red meat and chicken and all of that. And uh, I always had a problem eating the red meat. Even when I was baby, my mom, she had to make it super, super, super cook. So I don't see the blood. To me, it's like eating a dead animal. So to me, it was easy to become vegetarian because to me, it's like eating a dead animal. So I don't want to do that. I don't think it's good for your body to eat something dead. And also, uh, I'm an animal activist. I love animals so much. I can't, like, you know, I do horse riding since I'm 12. I was a dog. Um, you know, uh, when I was younger, we would go to the farm once in a while to see the cow and all that stuff. So to me, to have that in my place, I, and I see that in my living, I just can't do it. But that's just a personal decision, you know what I mean? So I've been vegetarian for 20 years now, very long time. For someone who's thinking about becoming a vegetarian but isn't sure that they can do it, what would you? What would be your advice? What would be the your favorite vegetarian dish that you would want everyone else to try? Probably vegetarian lasagna because there is a confusion. People think when you're vegetarian you don't eat and you starve. I eat five times a day. You know what I'm saying? I'm always eating, and uh, <laughs> you know you just a ten minus the meat, so it's not that hard. 
Just think about your favorite cereal. You like to eat and remove the meat. So I love to do vegetarian lasagna with cayenne pepper and spinach and mushroom and mozzarella and parmesan cheese. And, uh, you know, you can put couple, like three different cheese in your pasta and bake them and it's just so good. You can do uh, the same with the omelette, you know, with eggs. So that with eggs. Uh, you can have like a good cheese omelette with spinach in it and tomato and side of avocado. Like there is so much you can do. You can have a granola yogurt with cereal and honey and fruit. Uh, and you know, for the snack, you can have cereal bar or you can have some fruit. Uh, you can have a smoothie with different fruit in it. You can do some juice. You can have like a slice of brown bread with almond butter. Like there is so much more food like you can eat, you know, but... Everything I eat is organic. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to. GMO, you know? I've been trying to do that as well for for as much as I can. I think that it's it's important not only for the environment, but it's also obviously certainly much better for your body to eat organic. Exactly. I mean, I'm never ever ever sick. Everybody around me is always sick. I'm not sick. So it's making your body stronger. You just need to make sure you have a balanced diet. So you don't miss your iron. You don't miss, you know, your protein and all that stuff. But when you do it right, like you have no problem. I'm full of energy. I'm not tired. And I'm really skinny naturally. But when you have vegetarian, you get skinnier because, believe it or not, is a lot of fat, especially in the red meat. It's really bad for you. And also if you eat chicken and stuff, if you don't eat organic, it's full of chemical and GMO. You will get sick long term. It's so, like, so many people get sick all over the world because they don't realize they are eating and drinking toxic food and toxic drink. And they get sick, you know. And uh, that's not right because long term it's going to catch up with you. I'd like to talk. Um, I'd like to talk about something that's kind of the same. We'll, we'll get to uh, how it's the same. But Celebrity Big Brother number fourteen in the UK. You were part of it. For folks who are, are listening to this and they don't know, basically in Big Brother, you're locked in a house with other people. What was yeah. that like? That sounds like it has the potential to be crazy. It was the most crazy show that I've never done in my life. The funny <laughs> thing is, it was also in the mall. You know, I did VH1 Rock of Love, mm-hmm. VH1 Sports, VH1 A Lot of Money. Those show was crazy because it was similar. You also stuck in a house from that test, and it was 51 mine, but it's also in the mall USA. So Celebrity Big Brother is in the mall UK, which is the same company. Celebrity Big Brother or Big Brother... I don't know about the one in America, but in uh, in UK, they control everything you're doing. And when I mean they control everything you're doing, is 100%. They control what you eat. They control how much you can sleep. They control, um, you know, everything like which room you can be in. And technically, you are looking like a cage animal, 24-7 in a house, which is maybe 2,000 square feet, not even that. With 14 other people, it's all celebrity in my in my in my season. It's celebrity, it's celebrity, but it's the same. You know, we are all equal at the end of the day. Um, and you're looking in there, and Big Brother just decide what you're gonna do through the day. So they do some tasks for you, and when when you have some downtime, you can do whatever you want. But you are cut off from the world. You don't have a pen. You don't have a phone. You don't have a TV. So all you can do is shit chat with each other or you are not allowed to sleep during the day. Big Brother doesn't let you sleep. 
because uh, so they've really control everything. So technically, after two or three days, even if you are mentally very strong, and I don't drink on smoke, so I'm really strong mentally as well. Uh, after a couple of days, you don't eat and you don't sleep and you're looking. Everybody's breaking down, right? So my way to break down is somebody told me, oh, don't do this and don't do that. And I just blew up and I, I, I just tear up the whole house. <laughs> Including you, <laughs> you, you cut up someone's underwear, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah actually, it's Leslie Jordan. He's actually an American celebrity. I love Leslie, though. We, 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 yeah, yeah, we still remain friends to that. Well, I didn't do that for no reason. The day that I break down, actually, we start an argument in the morning, and I can send you the video so you can see exactly what I'm saying, but... Uh, basically, it was 8 in the morning, everybody was sleeping. It's only one room, one small room, 14 people sleeping in a room, nine beds, so we have to share the bed. Long story short, this morning, I'm awake, you know, I'm going to go take a, take a shower. So I'm opening my stuff, my suitcase, and it's doing some noise, right? But I don't have choice, I'm trying to take my stuff. Somebody said, well, yeah, Frenchie, don't do noise. I'm like, do not tell me what to do. You guys party on the 3 a.m. You came in the room at 3 a.m. You did noise. I didn't say nothing. Leave me the fuck alone. And then Leslie said something, and then we got an argument, and I just blew up. And I woke up the, I woke up the whole bedroom. I'm like, yeah, you don't want me to be loud? Shut up. I'm going to be loud. And I just scream. I'm loud, 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 loud. If you say something to me, like, until you tell me, don't do it, I'm going to do it 10 times more. So I woke up the whole bedroom, and then I stormed out of the bedroom. I went to take my shower. I was chilled. And after that, um, Leslie and I get in an argument again. And uh, before we get in that argument, I was already mad at all the house because actually they were taking my vegetarian food. So I keep telling the housemates, do not take the vegetarian food. That's all, I, that's all I'm eating. You guys have meat, fish, and eggs. I cannot have any of it because the eggs are not organic. So I won't eat them. And they keep taking my food. So I got mad. I went to the storage room. I threw all the food we had left. It was not a lot. I threw all the food on the floor. So I'm like, by this way, everybody's going to get starved. Now there's no more food at all. So I threw all the food on the floor, went back to the room, and I didn't say nothing to nobody. So I was acting like I didn't do it. And then Leslie came to me and he accused me, but he actually didn't see I did it. So I denied it. I'm like, no, I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. And then even when I got in an argument and he asked for me, right? He was like, yeah, you're a slut, like French. I can't remember exactly what he said. Something like a sticky French word. It was just so funny. I'm like, oh, yeah? So as soon as he left the room, I went to his throat because remember, we are all in one room and I knew where his stuff was because I just analyzed everything. So I took the first stuff that I found below to him and somehow some scissors were in the bedroom because one of the guys grabbed it. <laughs> so I took the scissors and I cut his throat because I'm very revengeful. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to ruin his life. So I took his, I took his clothes, I cut them, and I threw them on his bed because I know where his bed was. And then I stormed out of the bedroom. It was so funny because Stephanie Pratt was sleeping the whole time I did that. She, I didn't even see she was there. She didn't see me because she was sleeping. I stormed out of the room, and I'm just going chill out in the living room, and Leslie happened to go back to the bedroom. And he didn't see it right away, so he go back to the bedroom later, and he saw that. And by the time he saw that, he went back to the living room to complain to the housemate. And I, I was talking to somebody else already asking me if I threw the food and I denied it. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously Big Brother called me a pair because they say he was um, unacceptable behavior to get somebody close because he was threatening them indirectly. Mm. 
And then Leslie and I almost got in a fight. Like, he kind of tried to, like, he didn't eat me, but he just, like, put his hand up like he's going to do something to me. And uh, I kind of protect myself. I'm, I'm not scared of you. So then Big Brother called him, and uh, Big Brother actually gave me a warning, and it's not good when they do that, because if you get free warning, after that they send you home, you get ejected from the house without oh. elimination. Yeah. So they give me a warning, but I'm like, but I don't think it's that bad I cut his clothes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these are things that happen when you're stuck in a house, and you, of course, with Big oh Brother, God. you have no choice over who you're in the house with. I would like to let you uh, sort of play a little bit of a game here. If you could be stuck in the house with a group of people, who are some of the people that you would like to be stuck in a house with? Like some of your celebrity. Um, actually, I was burned. Kachi Price was not on the show because she might be coming in that season shortly. Actually. I love her. Uh, Kathy Price, Jordan. I would have loved to be with Pamela Anderson, Charlie Sheen. That would have been amazing. <laughs> um, let me think for a second. Somebody sure. else I really like. Because the movie star don't really do that show. But like Charlie Sheen could have done that show maybe because it's crazy enough to do something like that. So it's Pamela. Um, right. You know, just people I like. But, you know, uh, Big Brother is very smart. They shoot different kind of people, different personality different background backgrounds because they know at least the three or four with the most personality are going to blow up. And that's exactly what happened. Gary Busy was with <laughs> me in the house and me and Gary get along very well. We were totally understanding each other and we had so much fun in the house and I never got in an argument with him, you know. But uh, him and Leslie got in an argument big time. Me and Leslie got in an argument and then one guy which is from the UK, his name is James. He has kind of a strong personality. He will come and wind up like, he will have arguments with Gary. He tried to have an argument with me, but after I tear up the house, he never did it again. So after I did all that crazy shit, nobody really, that kind of tried to get an, an argument with me again. But I got into, into arguments with two different people because they kind of did something I didn't like, so I, I started shouting at them. And uh, got in an argument with them, not physically, though, just like was raising my voice and stuff. Uh, but uh, so I got in an argument with like one, two, three different people, and then two <laughs> people who were really calm would come up to me to calm me down, you know. But I didn't get kicked out because of that. I just get nominated, I got saved one time, and then I got sent home, like everybody else, anyway. So I kind of did good because it was 26 days, and I was in a house 17, which is more wow. than halfway. That's a long and time. Believe you me, believe you me. It feel like I was there for two years. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a good thing I had previous experience on three other reality show. I knew how weird it is when you're looking in a house. But Big Brother, like I said, the other show I did, I can eat everything I want. You order what you want, like a princess. Like they gave me everything on the H1. Uh, they control your food and you don't sleep. So from the not sleeping and not eating, you're just going insane anyway, mm -hmm. you know. Plus you locked in. But, you know, it's kind of magic when you're in a house. It's kind of magical and then it's crazy. And then it's magical and then it's crazy. So it's very intense. And you go through like a billion different feelings and you just amplify some 100 stronger than it will be normally. So imagine I don't want to imagine. I think that would... I would That's how I can describe it. Because at least you've been in that house, you just don't understand. Because it's like day or night. When you are in the house and when the viewers see you, it's like day or night. They don't feel what we feel because we're in it. Does right. it make sense? 
No, it does. Absolutely. I, I, you mean, when you said it felt like two years, I understood exactly oh, yeah. what you meant. That sounds... really does. It sounds uh, like a lot. But when, after leaving Big Brother, you got to do something that I'm sure brought you a lot of fun, and that is you recorded a single, I Want to Get Naked. Yes. Tell, yes. Me about, tell me about the song. Yeah, that was amazing. As soon as I come out of the house and my agent told me, uh, this producer, I want to do a song, I'm like, what? I'm like, I cannot sing. Like <laughs> 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 it's okay. You can just use your reality TV name, your Frenchie, you can have a song. I'm like, well, in this case, we need to do dance music because that matches my personality. And if you do dance, actually, even if you don't sing that well, you know, you're not blessed with a gold voice, uh, it actually works out, you know? Mm-hmm. So they told me, think about what kind of song you want to do and maybe write it, write down what you want. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to write about myself, such I'm a reality star, let me just keep it real, you know. And actually, actually I wrote the whole song myself. Good. And then uh, the producer put it in a lyric and they polish it a little bit so they make it so it makes sense what I'm saying, you know. And then we put the dance track, and I think it came out really amazing. It's very catchy and funny and crazy. And if people listen to it one time, they remember everything. They remember it, you know? It is very catchy. I was downstairs in my kitchen looking for something to drink earlier, and I started humming and singing along, and I just started laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my best friend was with me when I listened to the song. Like, literally, the following day, he was like, I want to get naked. I want to get naked. It's it's in there and it will probably be in there and people will probably be asking me, What are you singing? And I'll have to tell them and we'll let them know where to, to go. But I guess with the question, when you have a song that's called I, I Wanna it. Get Naked, how much of your time <laughs> do you spend <laughs> how much of your time do you spend naked? <laughs> I'm always naked when I'm at home. I sleep topless or naked. It is not part of TV. It's freezing. I sleep at least topless. But I love to be naked all the time. I mean, we are born naked. And, you know, growing up in France, we are very open sexually. Mm-hmm. And we're very comfortable with nudity. At least my family was. Uh, you know, when I was little, we would go to the south of France every summer. And we had a beach house. And we would go at the beach, you know, and uh, I grew up on topless beach and some beach were completely nude. So to me, the normal thing. And uh, my mom and dad, you know, when I grew up, and if I go to take my bath or they're taking their shower, they would be naked in a bathroom. They would never hide themselves because I'm there. So I'm very comfortable with that, you know, and um, I, I love my body and I'm plastic fantastic and I like to show it up and... I should show it off because I have nothing to hide and I look better naked anyway. And I also <laughs> think if, um, how you say, if, uh, like people who are free spirits, you know, they, they, they like to be naked as well because it's a good way of feeling. Like we born naked. You know, I, li- I like to cook topless as well. So if it's hot enough, like I'm always topless in my house. Like I hate wearing clothes. So right now I'm going to London. I'm so sad because I have to wear like, you know, Boots, jeans, socks, sweater. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, don't go to the airport naked. They will, I mean... Yeah, no way. (laughs) Probably probably not a good thing. But that does also go to something else that you're working on. You're working on a book. How did that come about, that you decided to write a book? Yeah, I'm working on a book, actually, uh, about sex, relationships, 
and what to do to spice up your sex life and your relationship so it's a lot of fun and it's good, you know, because when you're with somebody for a long time, it, gets, it can get pretty boring. So I have different chapters about, like, you know, uh, what I would do in my bedroom and what I think you can do to spice up your sex life and that is different thing. I cannot tell you everything right now because it's still in production as we talk. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a lot of fun to read that book and it would be really easy. You know, it's something simple. It's like a guide almost to uh, spice up your sex life and have some fun and have some fun dates with the person you're in love with and all that kind of stuff. Um, and sex advice and everything I'm good at pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> So if someone said to you, you know, I, I know people who were married for 10 and 20 and 30 years and they say, oh, you know, after 10 years, we just don't really have sex that much anymore because we've been together so long. You're saying they should be having sex as much at 10 years as they were at when they first met? Well, I think if you have a, like a healthy sex life and... um you know, a healthy relationship. For myself, I'm single, okay? But personally, I use my Bible at least three times a week. So, let's say if I was in a relationship with somebody, I I'm, make I'm sure every time I see them, I have sex with them. So, if you're married and you're obviously living together, right, and you're together every day, I think you should have sex every day because that's a good way to connect physically and is a good way to connect also emotionally you know and I think it's important to have a good sex life when you are with someone uh, especially for example if somebody is married and like one of the person is traveling right so you see them you don't see them every day you see them for example I don't know once a week because they're always gone like for business then the only time you have together you should always have sex because that connects you physically and that connects you emotionally. And obviously, the sex is not the only thing you need to have a balanced relationship. You obviously need emotionally, like, uh, contact, and you need uh, physical contact. But I think if you have sex, like, at least three times a week, it doesn't have to be every day. If you're too tired or too busy, I get it, right? But at least three to five times a week to have a healthy sex life, I think is very important. So when I have married couple or guys telling me they didn't have sex with their wife for like three to six months, that's kind of scary. Oh, freaking me out. I don't think that's normal, you know? <laughs> I either. I think you need to create a t-shirt that says, Frenchie says you should have sex every day. I like that. <laughs> it's the best advice I've you heard. You know, like I know if I'm dating someone, especially if I'm in love, and if, for example, I see that person three times a, a week, I will fuck them as much as I can every, like, maybe four or five times in one day every time I see them, you know? Yeah, because then I know I'm not getting anything when, I don't, when I'm not there. You know what I'm saying? It's a good way to connect each other physically, especially when you're in love. It's kind of magic, you know what I mean? So. I agree. So if people want to connect with you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, you have to find me my Twitter and my Instagram, which is at CBB. Frenchie, F-R-E-N-C-H-Y, at CBB Frenchie, because I just did Celebrity Big Brother, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to the UK on Sunday because I'm going to film more stuff with them. Uh, there is Big Brother on the side, which is similar than uh, Big Brother After Dark here in, Amer- in America, where I'm actually going to speak my mind about the new housemate. So I will be on live <laughs> for three times. 
And I'm also, I, I have told on in a newspaper on the Star Magazine over there. So I'm doing a ton of interviews with the UK right now. But I'm also going to work on a new song um, in February with American producer Ooh, in okay. USA. So I'm working on a second song as we talk that I'm probably going to record next month. Uh, I want to say his name properly because, you know, it's my French accent. Uh, his name is Rocky, B-Y-R-D, Rocky Burrow said. He's actually nominated a music producer. He's Grammy-nominated music producer, and he's very good, and he's been working with really big people. And him and I are going to record the song very soon, so I'm very excited about that. It's going to be a dance song as well. It's a funny dance song uh, as well. And uh, I'm going to work with him when I come back from the UK, probably in three weeks from now. I just want to let you know that because that just happened, actually. He contacted me like two weeks ago, so that's kind of new. That's really exciting. I can't wait to hear that. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, sitting I'm very here. excited. I'm going to uh, probably, as soon as we get done here, I'm going to probably listen to the I Want to Get Naked again one more time just so I can <laughs> make sure I've got it down and, and got the words and got the tune and, and all of that other stuff. But I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to chat yeah, with me. thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And hopefully we'll be able to do it again. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. And have a good night. Take you too. Care. Bye. Bye for now. Alrighty, gang, I think we have covered everything that we could possibly talk about in the course of today's show. We've gone from Oscar-nominated pictures to music by reality stars. It's uh, all in a day's work here at Crow Call. We are working on some other really great shows coming up in the very near future, so mark your calendars. On January 30th, it's a Friday, it's at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, we will have our Super Bowl show. Alex Clancy will be back to give us a guide on what to expect from the Super Bowl. He'll also be breaking it down for those of you who don't quite know what goes on in a game of football. You don't know the difference from a quarterback to a home run. I don't know. But there are people out there who don't understand football. So he'll be breaking it down to try to give you at least enough information so that you can watch and follow along and know what's going on. That'll be fun. Lindsay Wells, the Kitchen Witch, she will be back. She is going to have some excellent Super Bowl snacks. If you listen for nothing else, she's got the food. It'll be fast. It'll be easy. It'll be fun. She'll have all of those. There'll also be some videos on CrollCall.com where you can follow along and see how she makes all the things that she makes. And we'll be talking about what to expect from the halftime show and from the other big game during the big game, the commercials. Commercials are big money. We'll find out what makes a successful Super Bowl commercial. Then the following week, on the 6th of February, we will be having our Grammys special. We'll break down who we think will take home the little Grammy statue gramophone. That's what they're called, so the Grammys. We'll also be listening to some of the Grammy-nominated songs. That should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, at the end of February, as I mentioned earlier on in the hour, February 20th, we'll have our Oscars special. We will be offering predictions there as well. We may not make predictions. Depends on how we do for the Grammys. If we do well for the Grammys, we'll continue our streak and see how we do with the Oscars. If not, maybe we'll reconsider and we'll let someone else make predictions so that we don't go on the hook for that. If you remember, Jeremy Helliger said that he thought there would be a Jennifer Aniston nomination at the Academy Awards. That didn't happen. Maybe we'll loop him back in so we can 
use that against him. No, we wouldn't do that. Uh, and of course, then something else coming up has comes up every year around the same time. At the end of March, we will be having a very special episode of Crawl Call to mark my 20th year in the business, in show business, in the world of soaps. It's going to be an hour of surprises that I'm going to hate. It's going to be an hour of all sorts of... I don't like surprises. If you're a new listener, I hate surprises. And they do every year try to outdo themselves and surprise me and make me uncomfortable. And it's just, it's an hour of wonder for you guys out there listening because it's great to hear me squirm. For me, it feels like seven days worth of torture. But I enjoy it. I will be a good sport. That'll be coming up at the end of March. But in the meantime, we do have to end this week's show. I'd like to hear what you thought of this week's show. Feel free. Tweet us at Crawl Call Show. Visit the website, crawlcall.com. That's a place to listen to any of the episodes that we've put together. You can listen on demand for free at any time. You can also subscribe to the Crawl Call podcast. Go to iTunes, search for Crawl Call. And if you subscribe, it's totally free. Every time you go onto iTunes, it will deliver all the new episodes right to your computer so you can listen on the go. You can listen to your computer. It's very fast. It's very easy. It's very simple. If you don't know how to do that, you can also tweet me at Dan J. Kroll. Talk to me there on Twitter. Friend me on Facebook. I will get back to you and add you and you can follow all the shenanigans that I'm up to. And next week, we'll be back with another episode of Kroll Call. It's January 26th. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.